0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit
1: Pistons. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, hashtag lakers knuck if you buck spanning the spurs x's and o's nba breakdown la hoops thunderous applause and the wizards hoops analyst plus our coaching focus podcast thrive with trevor huffman beyond the ball the coach maze.com podcast players court bleachers and boards and the green light oh and don't forget to check out our flagship the Hoopheads podcast hosted by me mike cleansing and my co-host jason sunkel featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA.
0: Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today we'll cover the Pistons' last four games, all losses, and then we'll cover a few general Pistons topics, such as Derrick Rose becoming an issue for the development of the young core because he dominates the ball. What is our biggest trade asset? Does our record reflect how we have been playing so far? And then we'll move to our, our NBA segment and we'll talk Steph Curry passing Reggie Miller for second on all-time three-point list and the Easter Conference playoff picture. But first, I want to go back uh, a few days ago to our loss against the Miami Heat. And uh, I was uh, I was surprised. I-, I know probably Bryce and Alex were surprised too because this is one of the few games that the bench did not live up their potential. You know, we- we've been characterized by bad starts and then, you know, the kind of the bench mob comes in, they have rhythm. Uh, they play very athletic. They play fast. Uh, Stewart comes with a lot of energy, and this time it just did not happen. You know, we scored 32 points in eight minutes, and then we scored 32 points in the next 19 minutes. You know, Bryce, what was your take on this game? I know you watched it.
2: Yeah, I. It, w- it was exciting because we started out playing so well in this game. After we talked last episode about how we don't do a good job starting games, we've ha- had this tendency to start slow. So it was good to see us start the game off so well. Your guy, Mason Plumley must listen to the show because he came out and just was balling. And the early eight points, posterized, I think it was Bam Adebayo, and looked really, really good. And then the second quarter was equally as bad. And like you said, this was a game where I didn't think Isaiah Stewart brought the energy. This was kind of the Sadiq Bey has kind of went through a tough stretch until last night's game. Um, so those guys didn't show up quite as well. And third quarter wasn't a good quarter we still were in the game late i did like seeing jeremy grant get to make s- some iso plays late in the game to try and win it he converted one he got blocked on one but it was great experience for him late in a game
0: yeah absolutely alex what did you see in that game i just saw jeremy grant going to work
3: uh ellington shooting the heck yes he ball. is he, he shot, he played so great. He was shooting with confidence every shot. And I love to see that. And hopefully it continues, you know, as the season goes on. We need that uh, three-point, uh, uh, how do you call it, the, the three-point threat. And he brings that to us. Um, also, you know, D. played a solid game. I just wish Blake Griffin, he looks, I don't know, demoralized or lack of focus, lack of motivation or something like that the last couple of games. I expect more from him. Maybe he's tired as well, I don't know. But he's he was almost a no-show in, in, in that loss against Miami.
0: Well he's he's he hasn't been himself or the or, or the Blake Griffin that we have been accustomed to, you know, and he's done great things for this franchise. You know, he's played on the Tormeniscus in the playoffs for us, and he deserves a lot of respect. But uh with all the respect I'm gonna say it, I think unfortunately his his time is done as far as the Blake Griffin that we knew. So I think the sooner all Pistons fans can get accustomed to this new Blake Griffin, you know, that can make plays at a low post, that can shoot a three, uh, that's not going to be your number one option or two or three. I think he's like a fourth option right now or he should be a fourth option. You know, he can still stretch the floor. He can make plays. He has a pretty high basketball IQ. He's very strong. He cannot move laterally anymore. So um, I was actually happy, uh, you know, since you mentioned Blake Griffin, I know Casey said it, that he's he's talked to Blake about possibly – you know, moving him at the five, yes. depending on the matchups. Yeah. Bryce, what do you think about that? Because I know you were, you know, you wanted this to happen. Yeah,
2: I've advocated for this. Um, it, it causes some, you know, of a jam at the five spot with Plumlee and Stewart. I'm not really worried about Okafor, but it can cause some issues there. But it opens up minutes for Sekou at the four. And uh, I believe his Rod Beard actually just reported this or tweeted this out after – um, the, the 76ers game that, that he's talked to Blake Griffin about playing some five So I really like that possibility. But you make a great point, Vlad. It's time for everybody to accept that this is Blake Griffin. We thought that maybe we just needed to let him get his legs or get back into it or whatever, and it's not the case. We're far enough into the season he should have that stuff back. He's not the player he was. The explosion is gone. And I just hope that Pistons fans can accept it, and I hope Blake Griffin and Dwayne Casey can accept it, and we start to see him – playing the minutes he really should and maybe getting some time at the five.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate because of the contract. I think that's what people compare. You know, they look at the contract and they expect something. But that contract, you know, was signed quite a few few years ago when Blake Griffin was Blake Griffin, you know, when he came and he took us to the playoffs. So he deserves a lot of respect on that side. But unfortunately, he has two more years or one plus one with a player option that I'm sure he's going to opt in. And we just kind of have to to get used to it that we have to get the most out of Blake Griffin right now as a mentor, as as far as like what he can do in the low post, you know, shoot his threes, good screens, and still be a threat, however he can do it. And, you know, this bringing Blake at the five brings me up next game, the Hawks game. You know, we, it was, it was tough for me to understand, you know, one thing that I did like coming out of the Hawks, you know, game was, the fact that Casey said Jeremy Grant's not getting calls, you know, and I think that might become an issue because the next game against Rockets, it was an issue, and I feel like he's not getting the treatment. He's still getting the treatment of a role player, and he's not. He's – honestly, he's a superstar. He He's playing very close to being an all-NBA pick right now. And I think he deserves a lot more respect than, you know, than, than he's getting right now. But either way, that was a tough game. I mean, that was just, uh, you know – we we lose a 17 point lead in, in the last 7 minutes of the game. That's just unacceptable if you ask me. That's bad. That that happened <laughs> a couple of times in the season. We just go up big and then we just lose the
3: the lead just like that. Uh, I that cannot happen like it happened with the Hawks in the fourth quarter. You know, we, we lost uh, 28-14 that quarter. That cannot happen. And then you go to the overtime and again you lose 17 tonight. Uh it's kind of unacceptable. Uh, at this level and yeah, Vlad about Grant and getting foul calls. He's gonna get his he's gonna get his but uh, He still has some more to do uh, Probably the team as well maybe because they're not performing the rest are not taking this taking every player very serious but uh, Grant will be I think will be an all time or all time all NBA. So. Well,
2: and I think in this game, what made it stand out even more was every stinking call that Trey Young got. I mean, I'm. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm a fan of Trey Young. I actually like Trey Young. I like his game. I've compared him to Steph Curry 2.0, you know, a couple episodes ago. But I'm qu- quite honest, guys, I got tired of watching him play. Like it started to be a little James Harden esque. And again, I don't want to take anything from James Harden. He's a great player, and I respect it, but I don't enjoy watching it. And I started to get to the point, I didn't enjoy watching Trey Young just flop and do everything just to get foul calls. But that's what made it worse was Trey Young's getting a foul call every time down the floor, and Jeremy Grant wasn't. And I think think where you were going to go with this, and we've kind of got sidetracked, John Collins and Clint Capella absolutely destroyed us in this game, and you called it. You had it on your Facebook post, Vlad, that you thought Clint Capella matchup would be interesting, and he almost, he almost had a twenty twenty game. Like he was like at fifteen and fifteen in the first half, and those two just went to town inside. Well, I mean,
0: I said it before. It's it's very hard. It's going to be hard for Stewart to match some of these guys just because of even their height. You know, we saw that with Embiid. It's, that's why I think Stewart cannot be our starter long-term. I think he's great off the bench. And that's why eventually we're, we're going to need a better starter than Plumley. Right? So, there you go. You can't be a part. Now, I said it.
2: If you want to Al- be a contender, yes, Alex, at some point, Alex, we're going to need a <laughs> – Alex, what's the timestamp? 820, around uh- – about 820. <laughs> Mark it down, somebody, please. 820, Mason Plumley. Uh- <laughs> no, but – yeah, we talk, you know, when
0: you're like a drumming, a capella, that's, you know, it really, he was a monster. He, You know, he had 27 and 26, I believe. And I said it, like you said, I said it before the game. I was like, he was coming off, I think, four straight double-doubles. And I was worried about that. I was worried about the second chance points he's going to create for them. I was worried about him rolling deep in the paint on a, on a young pick and roll, and we cannot help off their shooters. And the young just throwing lobs to him. that's why he was so good in Houston. And that's why he's so good for this team right here in Atlanta. It's, it's all the intangibles, all the little things that he does. You know, he sets a good screen. He rolls hard all the way in the basket and he can catch any lob. Then, you know, he, he covers the paint. Well, he moves laterally. So it was, that's why it to me, it was, it was a big matchup for us. That, that was the key more than Trey Young, honestly. But, Going back to your free throws, yeah, I mean, Casey's not the only coach that complained about this, you know. He, he complained about um, he complained about Young's free throws at the end of the game. Uh, Tom Thibodeau from the Knicks, he complained about Young getting calls. Steve Nash complained about Young getting easy calls. So it's a trend, but I'm kind of waiting for Jeremy Grant to get the calls. And we can make the transition right now, the Houston game, another loss for us, you know, nine turnovers in the first quarter, you know, 19 turnovers in the game for 25 points, you know. But we get the last possession, and to me, tell me one superstar in this league, you know, one franchise player that does not get those calls. Because Grant, to me, was fouled and pushed about three times by PJ Tucker, and they called it late, like on the shot. But the foul was on the ground, anyways, before, way before that, you know. So Dwayne Casey said, you know, you watch the film. I thought he got fouled three times before he got to the rim. So. That's just a lot. Even Casey said it outright, and he he might even get fined for this. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a problem, but I think it'll slowly work itself out. Like, there seems to be this thing in the NBA where, like, this rite of passage, like, you have to earn it to get these calls. And I don't even know that I disagree with that. I, I There's part of that that I think is is part of it. And it, we're, we're 15 games into this. Jeremy Grant has only shown this for 15 games that this is who he is, and nobody thought this was going to be who he was. So I think eventually it'll happen. I think it's good. You you make a great point that Dwayne Casey's kind of quote-unquote playing the game, saying the things he needs to say to get his superstar the calls. But that one was heartbreaking because, it. I mean, to me, it doesn't matter whether he's a superstar or not. Those are fouls. And I know a lot of people say, <laughs> swal- swallow the whistle, swallow the whistle, let the players decide. Well, you can't forearm chuck a guy. That's not the players deciding the game. That That's not the game. So that should have been a call and I would have loved to see whether Grant could make those free throws at the end of that game. I missed a large part of this game because we had a high school game that I was coaching, but I got, I was excited because I got to see that part of the game and then it was so disheartening to see him not even get a chance to go to the free throw line.
0: Yeah. And then going back to what Alex said to earlier, by the way, it's, you know, we have a good start against the Hawks and then we have a bad start against the Rockets. And to me, it's a story of, this season you know we start well against the heat so just to recap the last week we score 32 points in eight minutes against the heat then the bench comes in and for i don't know maybe first time second time this whole year they did not play well and they blew a 19 point lead then we go with the hawks and we blew a 17 point lead in the last seven minutes to force ot Then we come here with the Rockets, and it's the same. You know, we have a bad start. So it's just like a roller coaster of like bad start, good start. And when we have a good start, it's like the bench doesn't come up. So it's I feel like once they get clicking, we're gonna win a lot more games.
2: I I don't know what you guys thought, but that start of the Rockets game. I, I did catch the first quarter and then I missed the middle portion of the game. Was about the worst start we've had, though. That was really, really bad. There were all the turnovers, and it was the first time our defense hasn't necessarily been great. But that one, we were just giving wide-open layups to dudes. We weren't getting matched up. We weren't getting back in transition. And really, Stewart and Jackson came in and kind of you know, gave some energy and aggressiveness to kind of just keep us around. And then in the third quarter, we made the comeback. That first quarter was really, really frustrating to watch. It was the first time where I just I, – I didn't think we, we were ready to play at all.
3: Yeah, we did not look ready at all. And, you know, that's uh, – it requires so much energy to get back in, in, into the game when you're down that big or you play that bad, you know, get the rhythm back. Uh, and you need those good starts or at least be, you know, there with the other team so you can be competitive. And then maybe, you know, if the second team comes in, they they just have to keep the score there and not fight to crawl back. Or maybe you have to keep the starters back or longer on the court so they can, you know, take take back the advantage.
0: Yeah, and to me, uh, it's, it's normal because we're a young team. But it's such a roller coaster of just bad start, good start, bad start, good start, and it's been addressed by Casey in the media already. And you know, we saw a little bit tweaks here and there, but um, I hope that's gonna change soon, and we can at least know what we what we can expect after after tip off. You know, because I think right now we know what to expect off the bench. You know, the it was a rarity against Miami when they came in and they just didn't play well, but. To me, just so up and down with a starting lineup. And I think that's something that we need to figure out. And then we can move to Philadelphia 76ers games. Another loss. But I was this was a loss that I was okay with. The, the 76ers are playing great basketball. They're they're at the top of the Easter co- Conference. And they have some really, really good players. And a great coach. You know, I, I said it right before the show, I love Doc Rivers. I'm a huge fan of Doc Rivers. But to me, this was very positive for us. We have a, the young core that played well. You know, we have – Bryce, I know you've been about Seku. Seku's minutes. You know, we need to get him minutes. And he delivered, and I was very happy for him. Then Zvi came out, and he shot the ball well. In 19 minutes, you know, he made five threes. And I, I, th- that's all we want. You know, Sadiq Bey came back to life. You know, he, he he finally played well. You know, he had a rough week. So, I was – actually, even though it was a loss, and
2: there was a lot of positives there, especially for the young guys. Yeah, th- this was the most – Hyped game of the week for Pistons fans because they knew Blake Griffin and Derek Rose weren't going to play because it was the second game of back to back. So as soon as you started looking at the schedule, you knew this was a possible game where those two weren't going to play. And so everybody gets hyped for those games. And I don't think it's necessarily really anything against those two guys. It's just they know we're going to see the young guys. So with Griffin out, Grant starts at the four and Bay gets to start at the three. Svi gets more minutes and Sekou gets all the backup four man minutes. And he really did take you. sekou is the most debated player on Pistons Twitter. I mean, and people are all over it. When he only gets to play three minutes, people are furious. And then, like, last night, he had eight points in eight minutes. And I had tweeted out something that he hadn't looked real good through the last few games. And somebody called me a clown because of it. And I was like, I'm not I, – I, I actually was defending Seiku in my tweet, though. What I was saying was Seiku hasn't looked good. But I think part of the reason Sekou doesn't always look good is because he gets a three-minute stretch and then goes and sets down for the rest of the game. And that's really, really hard to do. It takes a really special player to be able to do that. And usually it's a veteran, not a youngster. But he looks better when he gets long stretches like he did last night. I think there's enough there. We like His shot looks good. I love the way he posts an early transition. And I would really like to see him get more time. And then real quick on Sfi, he's going to be streaky. He's going to be up and down. He was like that at Kansas. But it's worth it to continue to get him minutes because when it's good, it looks really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But going back to Seku, you know, we had Elliot DeWitt here who's part of the the Pistons video room. And he was saying how Sekou Dumbuya's ceiling is Pascal Siakam. So maybe that's why there's so much hype around him and people want to see him develop and develop fast. But... It has been mentioned before, you know. He needs some time in the G League, and I've said it too. He needs more time in the G League, you know, because it's it's very hard, Bryce. Like you said earlier, it's very hard for him to come in, play three, four, five minutes, then come and you know sit on the bench. It's it's hard for a veteran like like you mentioned. And now, you know, we're we we want him. You know, his, he's been playing basketball for seven years now. He's young and he started playing basketball late. Like, we have to be very patient with Seku. And I, what I'm very pleased is the way Casey talks about him and his work ethic. Even last night, I saw a picture of Seku starting getting jump shots after the game. That's very encouraging. You know, the kid wants to be in there. Uh, you mentioned Zvi. Well, as Zvi said, he's like, when I'm not playing, it's fine because I go in the gym, I get my workout in, I'm trying to become better, you know, and be smart with, with getting better. So that's awesome to hear about these young guys that just want to be in the gym, you know, that, that – they drafted Stewart. He wants to be in the gym. He's a gym rat, and you know. So I think that the, the potential that I'm starting to see from this team, I'm, I'm really falling in love with some of these young guys and their work ethic and what they want to do and how they want to play. But one last thing before we move the, uh, you know, we move around uh, for the general Pistons uh, segment of our show, Alex. What did you think about Jeremy Grant struggling? It was the first time we saw him struggle uh, mightily. You know, he is three for 19 from the floor. I personally am OK with that because if you're going to develop him as your number one or number two option, which we can debate in the second, Bryce, <laughs> um, you know, he, he needs, you know, as a go to player, you cannot shy away from shots. You cannot come in and say, oh, I missed my shots and I'm going to take only nine shots tonight. I think as a go to player, you got to roll with the punches. You know, we, we've seen Harden shoot, you know, two for 30 and he had no regard for human life, you know, so <laughs> I'm OK with that. Uh, I'm okay with your superstar going off and, you know, just just the same way he can be 15 for 19 one night, he can also be 3 for 19, he's human. But Alex, what was your take on, on that, you know, and on Jeremy struggling in this game? You just show that he's still a human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had, he had a couple
3: games, a stretch of, uh, I don't know how many games where he scored 20 points or more, you know, and that was fantastic. And now we, we finally saw some struggle in his game. And, you know, it's it's normal. It's normal. You have off nights. Hopefully, it's not going to be repetitive you know, just because he plays so well. I hope he doesn't get in his head like, man, I missed so many shots. Maybe it's going to going to uh, motivate him to play better. But, you know, I'm okay with that too, Vlad, because the other guys had to step up and help him in some ways. And, you know, Ellington did his job again, with shooting, shooting the ball very well. And all the other guys too. who played great with the minutes he got. I wish also he can get more minutes, but you know he he looks like you know, he only gets minutes when uh, Griffith is out or you know the, the vets are not playing that much. Um, but you know it, it it is what it is. We we can, we did not count on Jeremy Grant that night. I, he did a good job defensively, but offensively it was okay. You know the other guys got some shots too, and it was a good night for the young players.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's why I was happy. You know, I was okay with the loss. That they're also the best team in the East, so it was, it was fine with me. You know, just let the young guys play, get their minutes. Josh is Josh Jackson slowly coming back to life offensively, and uh, you know the, the same thing. He's coming off an injury, so it's normal for him to struggle and the, a little and the bit. The thing
3: was, you know, the game was competitive. We only lost by four points, which is also encouraging. Obviously, you know, 76ers have an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, and, and he played like an MVP this game. Uh, but you know, just being this close with a team that this good, playing with the young guys, I think yeah. is good.
0: Well, then this is a good transition to the, to the general Pistons segment, and uh, I think we can start with this. Then, you know, does our record reflect how we have been playing so far? What do you think, yeah, Bryce? I,
2: I actually do. You know, and, and the old saying is, "You're you are who your record says you is." I, are. Like I, I do think we're not very good. I do think we're probably the worst That's roster. The coach in you, right? I know, I know, I know, right? But at the end of the day, I don't think we're any better than this. Yes, we've had competitive losses. Should we have won the Hawks game? Probably. But we probably shouldn't have won the Suns game. Like, you can do that all day. Like, it, it frustrates me when it's like, man, we were this close to having five more wins. Yeah, well, you were also this close to having five more losses. Like, that's just the way the ball bounces. That's the way <laughs> sports are, for real. So, I think this we're a three-win team. We're the worst team in the East. I was listening to uh, Sirius XM uh, NBA radio this morning, Sam Milchell and Gelter, Gelsinger and – Brian Gelsinger, and they said we're the worst roster in the East, and they're probably right. And you know what? We're supposed to be. Like, nobody, I don't I'm not saying Troy Weaver tried to like, I don't think we're trying to tank, but we didn't try to like just put assemble some superstar roster together. We don't have the cap space to do it, not with Blake Griffin on there. We weren't supposed to be very good this year. We're being competitive for the most part. We're getting young guys time, maybe not as much as some Pistons fans would like. But yes, we're the worst team in the East, we're the worst roster in the te- worst roster in the East, and I think our record reflects that. Oh god. Let me try this again, Alex. What do you think?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well, uh, Bryce is right. I mean, we're being competitive and we are where we need to be or where, or and where we should be. Uh, if we want to build for the future, obviously, uh, we were, does not want to tank. He said he wants to go all out, like try to win as many games as possible. And that shows in the competit- competitiveness we have as a team. Um, but I'm okay with being here and developing our young guys and maybe getting a good draft pick, you know, in, in the next season. Um, but the, the fact that we play these games so tough and, you know, we don't have, we did not have that many blowouts or blowout, blowout, blowout losses, which is encouraging we have been competitive against some good teams, like 76ers, for example. And, you know, obviously we can have more wins. We can have, like, Bryce had more losses. But I think we're good where we are right now.
0: Got you. And I think that we should have a few more wins. But I think Bryce also was right, you know. um, It's just the way the ball bounces. But I think that, for example, the first Minnesota game, you know, And we just—I don't know what happened that last four quarter, a bunch of turnovers. Then again, we came back with the Cavs, same story. So uh, I think you know we're not consistent enough to be a good team yet. I think that's also um, some that we struggle with. You know that the roller coaster. You know we we go up twenty, we go down twenty, and it's not like okay, it's a close game from start to finish. We usually there's a double digit lead, like a twenty point, fifteen to twenty point lead, or we're down fifteen, twenty points, and um that's you know that's that, that's kind of been the story for us the whole season almost.
2: I guess, I guess so. Real quick, Bryce, sorry, real quick, because I feel like maybe I went in a lot there, but I feel like my point was you just so you just said it though. My point is we've lost a lot of leads and we've done it consistently throughout games. So my point is that is who we are. What whatever that reason is is because we're young because. Maybe we don't have a closer or Jeremy Grant's not used to being a closer or we're still figuring out our identity. That is who we are as a team is we don't finish games. We lose leads. And so I guess that's my point saying that our record reflects who we are as a team.
0: Got you. No, it makes sense. And I agree with you. Bryce, what do you think is our biggest trade asset? I know you were thinking about Ellington. Clearly Griffin is, uh, his stock is going down and, uh, we're gonna get less and less for him. Derrick Rose could be interesting, but I like. We, we've heard rumors that he doesn't want to leave Detroit, yep. so I think we're just kind of left with Ellington being our hottest, you know, our hottest trade asset right now. Yeah,
2: I I think those two guys. If we see anybody traded, it, it would be Derrick Rose or Wayne Ellington, obviously out of the vets. Now I would be surprised if we see one of our young guys traded. Um, I don't know, you know, I would assume we'd want to keep Svee around. I guess that's a possibility. I, I still think Derrick Rose is the main one. I think he's the biggest possibility because I really think teams should be looking at Derrick Rose going, that guy can be our second unit point guard. So any contender out there who needs a point guard to run their second unit, Derrick Rose has shown that he is competent and can do that and can score the ball. He's had some 20 point games. I know we're going to talk about whether that's good or bad on this team, but for another team, they could use that. But I think Wayne Ellington's trade market should be skyrocketing. Are you telling me there's not a contender that couldn't use a guy like him that can come in and shoot the ball the way he's been shooting I just can't believe that there's not so I don't know what you can get for Derek Rose for Wayne Ellington I'm thinking a second round pick or maybe a young project guy that we can take a flyer on Um, I'm really really interested to see if we flip those guys Uh, I think that'll be very telling at the trade deadline whether we actually make any moves with those vets or not and to me the Blake Griffin trade thing is dead there's we're not going to be able to move him in my opinion
0: (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Jeez. Uh, Alex, I know you're a big fan
0: of the Euros and the way he's been uh, mentoring our young core and the way he's been playing. So, how do you you feel about this? Uh, You know, him possibly being the the number one option to go? I'm okay.
3: I'm okay with it. Listen, I was hyped about Derrick Rose uh, from the beginning because, like you said, he was mentoring our young core. um, And he also came off the bench giving us good minutes, good numbers. Um, but now with Hayes being out, and I don't know how long it will take more to, for him to recover, um, if we have this option or we have an option to get some good players for d I think we should do it. I think we should do it. Because we're building now for the future, not to win this season or next season. And if there's an opportunity to do this right now, I'll say go for it.
0: And you both mentioned Derrick Rose coming off the bench and producing usually means 15 plus points and usually means dominating the ball. And I really want to get to this because to me, it's a very interesting topic. You know, the Derrick Rose, is it becoming an issue for development on the young core of of the amount of shots he takes or, or just the fact that he has the ball in every, almost every single pick and roll that's played when he's on the floor, Derrick Rose is the one handling the ball. Yes, So it's, Is it an issue?
2: Yes, uh, it's 100% an issue, and it's nothing against Derrick Rose, but to me, when Derrick Rose is on the floor with, say, Sadiq Bey, Svi, Sekou, and Isaiah Stewart, I get excited about that lineup, and then I'm watching the game, and I get a little less excited because Derrick Rose is taking every shot, and he's probably making most of them, but... I'm not interested in watching Derrick Rose go drop 20 points a game, other than for the fact it again boosts his trade market. I want to see Svi take some shots. I want to see Sadiq Bay get some shots. If it was Derrick Rose, use the pick and roll, dropping passes off to Stewart or kicking out for shots, it would be different. But that's he, his head is down and he's trying to get buckets. And again, great for him. I'm a huge Derrick Rose fan. I love that he's being productive after you know, it stinks. I hate that people forget how amazing of a basketball player and how expl- how ridiculously athletic that guy was. And so I hope he ends up on a contender and has a chance to go win a championship. But yes, I think it's an issue. I would rather him play with the vets. I almost wish we'd have a vet lineup and a, a young guy lineup. Let him be out there with Griffin and Plumley and those guys and then let our young guys go.
0: Well, again, I think if you put Rose Grant on the floor. We have an issue there too. Sure, so I sure. think it's no, just a right. thin line. Right. But like you said, Bryce, if you you know if you have Sekou on the floor or Josh Jackson with him, okay, Sadiq Bay is more of a spot That's shooter true. right now. That's true. Or even or even Zvi, you know, and Zvi has been more has aggressive to, to the rim be yeah, so like you want—that's that, what I want to see, you know, right? So like let Zv play some pick and roll, let him get used to this, or let Josh Jackson play more and with the ball in his hands when he's in the lineup with Derrick Rose. Um, so that's what kind of bothers me a little bit is just the fact that you know he. It's not him scoring fifteen plus. It's him taking. I feel like Alex is about
2: to go and, uh, in because Alex loves Derrick Rose. So I feel like he's just waiting, and I feel like Alex <laughs> is just waiting in the wings to to get at us. <laughs> well, let's, let's hear it then, Alex. No, it's it's listen. You, as, I, okay, I'm going all over the
3: place right now. <laughs> Let me calm down a little bit. But but as as a center, right? I want a point guard that facilitates for us, so that makes plays for us, right? Of, as in you said, play picker always 2 and then throw him an alley-oop or bounce pass, whatever for a dunk, or pass, pass to an open guy for an open shot. But I, f- I feel like sometimes that was not happening on the floor. Um, and, you know, their, their girls had to make plays sometimes for himself because there was nothing else out there. Now, as a second unit, I feel like he has to do that. I feel like the other guys cannot make plays that much for the others. And he has to dominate the ball and sometimes it happens that he has to take some of those shots and sometimes too many Um, and i think that's the issue i'm not saying it's right what he's doing but i feel like he almost has to do that
0: yeah right there i agree with you i don't think um but I agree with you, but also you need to develop the other guys, and that's why I'm saying, you know, if Josh Jackson on the floor, give him almost the, you know, give him the rock every single that time down the floor because you have no guarantee to your deal, and Derrick Rose contract is expiring, so maybe next year Josh Jackson is your sixth man that can average, you know, 17 a game. You know, get him, uh, get him going again after the injury, and um, you know, create a lot for Sadiq Bay. You know, get Bay shooting a lot of a lot of shots. So, it's a thin line, I think, and it depends on the game, honestly. Can I ask a – But I do see this an issue uh, over a long period of time. Right now, we're only a month in the season, so I'm not going to you know, trip over this. But it can become an issue very real, soon. Real
2: quick, and I know we want to get around the NBA after this. But do we think – I keep holding out hope that Dwayne Casey knows we're going to trade these guys – and so he's trying to give them time now. Like this, this is, to me, there's a grand plan here of let's get Ellington minutes. Let's show him play as a starter, run sets for him, get him shots. Let's show off how he can shoot it. Let Derek Rose run the second team and get buckets and raise those trade markets. Be, and then maybe take some heat for not playing the young guys early, knowing that eventually we're going to trade those guys and then all those young guys are going to get their chance in the second half of the season, where in the first half we can kind of just slowly work them in. To me, that's, that's the grand plan. And if that is the grand plan, then I'm on board with it.
1: Hey, hoopeds, We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off.
0: With that being said, you know, we said we want to get around the NBA, so let's uh, get to Steph Curry. We kind of – we took some shots at him, where I did, <laughs> <laughs> earlier in the season, and uh, I'm kicking myself for that. You know, you got to be wrong, and when you're wrong, you kind of raise your hand and say, my bad, in this kind of situation. <laughs> He's – He's doing a fabulous job. You know, they came back against the Lakers from 17 down. They came back in the Clippers. And that's, that's what I was expecting from him, um, you know, to do. And that's what I wanted him to do. And he's showing that he's doing, doing just that. And he now he just passed Reggie Miller. And he's the second all-time
2: right behind Ray Allen slash Jesus Shelsworth. <laughs> Bryce, what do you think about that? I mean, we knew it was going to happen, right? It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. And I just, for some reason, all of a sudden, Steph Curry is an easy guy to hate on now. You know, he he went from a really lovable guy to a really hateable guy whenever KD joined and all that stuff. I just, Steph Curry changed the way the game is played. We've talked about this before, I think, that, I mean, I have kids now, like whenever I was in high school, I barely got to shoot threes, let alone shoot them from 30, 35 feet the way kids are now. So in some ways, maybe not for the best, because I don't think the kids, some kids understand how hard Steph Curry works and how good of a shooter he truly is, and they think they can replicate it. But he, he's amazing. I'm i am glad he's going to eventually pass Ray Allen, and Ray Allen obviously was a great shooter in his own right, as, as well as Reggie Miller. So I just think Steph Curry will go down as the greatest shooter we've ever seen in the game of basketball. And for my eyes, for what I, I've seen, I think that he is.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, Bryce, he's just unbelievable, he's an unbelievable shooter, he changed the game, just like Shaq changed the game in the past, and you know that says something about him, obviously, like you say, he got a lot of hate, but you also gotta love him because uh, they started winning before all these superstars got there, so, uh, you know, we, we gotta show him respect, he's playing hell of a season so far with 28 points per game, he's also passing the ball really well too, got some wins, and, you know, he's going – he's going to go down as the best shooter in the NBA history for sure.
0: So, when do you guys think he's going to pass Ray Allen? He's 411 threes behind Ray Allen. This season? No.
2: If he's – so, he's 411. it be next year. How many games are left? Uh, they would only have – they played sixteen, and there's only playing seventy two so you're at, they they only have fifty six games left, and they're gonna make the playoffs I think. They, yeah, gonna but the they're playoffs, not going to play very so. many games in the playoffs. so he sixty five games this year, maybe
3: uh yeah, early, early next
0: season, yeah, that's what I'm expecting to I expect early next season unless something you know. Something changes, but I think right now he's making his current career rate is three point six May threes per game. So, like I think right now he's set to break that record about second half of uh, of next season. Yeah. He,
2: he's but with Curry, you never know. You know he can get hot. He's and- averaging four makes a game this year, so that would that would put him around 240, 250 makes the rest of this year. So he, you know, he's going to get it sometime, sometime next year, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, I would say actually sometime this calendar year Oh, okay oh okay. I, I got you
0: I got you <laughs> that's it that, that that's what I think is gonna happen and now we're gonna move uh, for the last you know 15 20 minutes we're gonna talk about the Eastern Conference you know playoff picture and uh, a few surprises if you ask me I wasn't expecting me uh, I was expecting okay I was expecting the Philadelphia 76 to be very good and I've said it before when we talked about our game against them. I'm a big fan of Doc Rivers. You know, his, um, his work ethic and uh, his track record is, is great. And I expect the 76ers to be very good. And right now, if we're looking at the Eastern Conference, um, you know, we can look at the last place in the East, us. <laughs> <laughs> we're 3-13. and, 13. and uh, But at the top, it's, you know, the 76ers, Bucks, Pacers, Celtics. And uh, then you have the Nets. And to me this is kind of where the surprise or the uncertainty is and I really don't know who's going to make the playoffs. Is the Cavs are in 6th, the Hawks are in 7th and the Knicks are in 8th. Really the Knicks are, are a big surprise.
2: Bryce, who do you think
0: is going you know is going to take those last three spots in the East? <sighs>
2: I, I have to say Miami. I I was looking this up as you were talking cuz I wanted to find I wanted to <laughs> see where I wanted to go back to my top 3 whenever we talked about this and I know I had Miami number 1. So I have to go with Miami, right? Like they can't go from my number 1 team in the preseason to not making the playoffs. So Miami's going to get in there. I don't know about Toronto. That that was discussed this morning well, on You know, you're very bad at predictions, right? So he oh, wouldn't be. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good 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 luck Miami now that I'm I'm saying they'll continue to lose now that I'm saying this um I I think Miami's gonna get in there I don't know about Toronto man your guy Pascal Siakam has kind of taken a step back this year and I don't know if he's gonna figure it out they're kind of in flux now Lowry's in the last year of his deal so are they gonna try to move him are they gonna you know are they gonna punt on the season try to get back for next year or what um the Knicks are very interesting. You know, usually we always want to talk about the Knicks, right? And everybody complains because we always talk about the Knicks and they're not any good just because they're in New York. But they're a good team this year. You know, you brought up, I think it was two episodes ago, talking about Julius Randle and the seasons he's having. R.J. Barrett's having a really good year. They got some vets on that team like Alec Burke. So that, that's an interesting squad. I think it'll be fun. Like all those teams are right there in the mix. I still think you're they're, they're, the East is top-heavy. But I think it's gonna be fun to see how it plays out those last few spots.
0: Well, it's worth mentioning that Miami had double COVID yes, heavily. Yes. And um, you know, they've missed quite a few players, quite a few important players the last four, five, six games. So that's worth mentioning, you know, for a team that's sitting six and nine, the twelfth place in the in the Easter conference. Uh, right, you're right about the Raptors. I did not expect this. I honestly thought they're gonna be in top four, top five in the East. Not sure what happened. And uh, I don't have any answers for that. Then you know the Hornets kind of lo- right now they're on a four-game losing streak, so I'm not sure what's going on there. But I also know Bryce that you had your know some about the Bulls, and I don't expect I didn't expect the Bulls after their start to be you know in, sitting in ninth place you know after 16 games.
2: Yeah, th- that's a good team. You know, Zach Levine is another one of those guys that. For whatever reason, I don't think people really give him as much credit as he deserves. I don't know if they really trust in his game or whatever it is, but you know, he's averaging 27 points, five rebounds, and five assists. Almost shooting 50% from the field and 40% from three. He's a really good player. I mean, he's, you talk about Jeremy Grant being a superstar, being an all NBA player, whatever, like, I mean, Zach Levine's on a team that has a better record, now he has better talent around him, but better record and putting up better numbers. Like You talk about a guy that's going to be an all-star and possibly all-NBA player. And then Kobe White. I think Kobe White, he's averaging 16 points a game, five rebounds, almost six assists. So that's a guy that's really taken a step forward in year two. Had a good rookie year, but is playing even better this year. And I think he was a guy that was underappreciated coming out of college again because... His team didn't have quite the uh, super success that normally a North Carolina team has. And I think he was undervalued in the draft process because of that.
0: Yeah. I uh, No, I agree with you right there. But I honestly did not expect the Bulls to be here. I expect the Bulls to be close to us. Yeah. And the Wizards to be
2: A lot of people so. did, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, and the magic you know they they turn out pretty bad after the markel Fultz injury i don't think they can recover from that but to me what i find interesting is the nets being fifth cavalier sixth and they just lost two back to back games you know the nets lost two back to back games the cavs you know alex what do you think it's uh, you know is it a problem for the nets you know that big three uh, are they going to gel or is it just going to take time it's going to take some time Vlad.
3: it's going to take some time i'm not really worried about the nets you know like like uh James Harden said uh, when he was back with Durant in OKC, they were just young and now they're men and Kyrie is, you know, up there. He won the championship as well, and they are going to glue together. They're going to figure out eventually the end goal is to win the win in the playoffs. And, you know, it's a long run until then it's going to go, you know, they're going to hit some bombs down the road like they did against Cleveland, which is, you know, a little bit surprising. You, you have some expectations. You know, you have these three great players on your team and you cannot win against Cleveland at least one game. You know, you lose both. That has to raise some eyebrows. But I'm not really worried about them because down the road, they're going to come back and they're going to be in the top three for sure uh, when, when everything is set in stone.
0: Yeah, and to me, you know, Steve Nash said it. Right now, James Harden is only playing games because they don't want they want him to get in shape. He's out of shape. Steve Nash said it about five times in his last interview after the Cavs game. Literally, he said it five times. He was like, "He's out of shape." Is you know, he used different words every single time, but it was <laughs> basically he's out of shape, guys. Like, um, so from my understanding, James James Harden is only playing in the games and not practicing. Right now, because they're afraid that if they put him on a treadmill on a bike on the day off or, you know, when they have like a light practice because of the overuse, because being overweight, he can, you know, he can get injured. So they were just him getting shape through playing games. So I think, you know, James Harden is, is about a month away from actually being James Harden. But I do have an issue right here because Kyrie came back and <laughs> they start losing again. And I do have an issue because con Sexton game buckets. And my understanding is con Sexton went in the locker room and he he walked right by KD. Did you right hear by that? KD, Th- This, is,
2: right this by, is awesome. Right
0: by Harden. He, was- walked, he walked right by those guys and he said, you know, Kyrie just lace them up. You know, get ready for tonight. Yes. Uh, I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's that. awesome. It- but to me... If you're the Cavs, Bryce, isn't this what you want from your point guard, from
2: your leader, for your top draft pick? Yes, I love Colin Sexton. Like he – you know, we, we got a chance to walk him, watch him early in the year play against the Pistons, and he was really, really good. They have a great backcourt there. Garland hasn't been playing as much, but Sexton and Garland are a really good backcourt. Back Again, Colin Sexton averaging almost 27 points a game, 52% from the field, 47% from three – like, he's really, really good taking a huge jump. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in year two. This is just his – sorry, year three. Year three. So, taking another huge jump. He's gotten better every year he's been in the league. I, I want to go back to the Nets real quick, though, because I've made this point on Twitter, on Persona that that we've been using. And everybody talks about the Nets defense. And here's my opinion. They don't want to play defense. They, they didn't assemble this – They. They didn't assemble this team to play defense. Dan Tony's the assistant. I'm sorry, but Steve Nash wasn't necessarily known as a defender whenever he was playing great player, nothing against him. But they didn't they're going to try to outscore you. That that's my opinion. Their vision is we're just going to assemble all this offensive talent and we're going to outscore you. People keep saying, "Where's the defense going to come? Where's the defense?" It ain't coming anywhere. They traded all their defense away. They have no depth. And they're just going to try to outscore you, probably playing ISO ball like you've talked about before.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's their only option because both Harden and Kyrie, they like to dribble a lot. It's their ISO players. Okay, Harden may be a little more pick and, pick and roll player too, but um, I don't know. To me, they lost a lot in Jared Allen, yes. Jared Allen when they traded him. And uh, I understand it was it was you know Alex mentioned it last episode it was for Harden so it's it's very understandable when you try to get Harden you, you got to give up a lot to get Harden but it will be interesting because I think this is a very different big three because we can compare the big three they had in Oklahoma with Westbrook at a point point. and Kyrie here the difference is that Westbrook plays defense and that he doesn't over dribble he plays fast but he doesn't over dribble he's very aggressive gets the rim. You know, so he takes a lot of shots, but it's it's also how you take those shots. And now, Bryce, I want to, you know, go back to Pistons after the round of the NBA and Alex, I want to get straight to you. And what do you think about Grant? Do you think that long term he's going to be our number one option or should he be more like a number two option, like a Pascal Siakam to Kawhi Leonard type thing? Hmm,
3: that's a good question. Uh, in the long, long term. Um, man, he, I think he's going to develop in being an, all, uh, an all-star, an all-NBA player. I think he's going to be a go-to guy until a young guy, maybe like Hayes, will come and say, like, hey, listen, this is my team. But I don't see that happening. The way he's playing right now, he should be our number one option for a long, long term.
2: That's 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 my take on it.
0: Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, Bryce, yeah, I know yeah. you, you you had this notes. Yeah.
2: And uh, first off, I just want to get this out of the way. There's been a lot of talk about trading him. And I don't understand it quite honest. For some reason, people think he doesn't fit the timeline, which I think he absolutely does. Maybe not on his current contract, but I mean, we signed him to another long-term deal and he's, he, he's going to be – he's not old by any means. So I think it's crazy that we're talking about possibly trading Jeremy Grant already. I think he's long-term number two. I think he's our number one option this year and next year. And then whether it's Kate Cunningham or Mobley from USC, whoever... No, no prediction, Bryce. Okay, don't ruin this for us. <laughs> yeah, I know, yo, know, it's crazy. People think that we're so cursed because the first mock uh, lottery came out the other day, and we dropped obviously to the fifth spot, which is the lowest we can drop, having the worst record in the league. It, you know, you have all your chances, and we dropped to the fifth spot. And Pistons Twitter was like, "Of course, that's what's going to happen." Which in this in this draft, it, it would still be okay. I think you want to be in the top three. I think that's where you want to be. If you're in the top three, in my opinion, you get you still get somebody you really want. But let's just say we got Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham would eventually become the face of the franchise and the number one option long term. I think Jeremy Grant is a really, really, really good number two. And there's nothing wrong with him being the number one option for the next couple of years, developing that shot making, the ISO, the pick and roll and all that stuff. And then he can kind of transition to play Robin to whoever it is, Kate Cunningham, whoever, or a free agent. You've mentioned this vlog that maybe we could get a free agent to come and play Batman as the number one long term number one option.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be on on the development. I think next year we're we'll stuck with Blake Griffin contract anyways. So I would expect him. You know, can he play more pick and roll next year? You know, how good can he become in isolations? Because right now he's great at cutting, you know he's great at spot shooting. So you know how good can he become in in those two, you know pick and roll and isolation plays? And uh, if we see that growth, I think by year two, and then we have Blake off the uh, off off the books, then I think Weaver's going to make a move depending on how Grant, uh, you know how Grant uh, plays at that point. That's how I see it. I think it's going to be a kind of played by year, and let's see how Grant develops. Because it's been a project from day one, you know, we gave a role player to be a superstar. Sure. So Weaver saw some, so, you know, Weaver saw something in him. So uh, that's that's what I think is going to be. You know, it's going to give him time to you know play more pick and roll, play more isolation, and kind of get um, you know, kind of baptized by fire. See how he develops like that, and then he can move him to a second option or he can keep him as a first option. For sure,
3: I feel like I feel I feel the same. Like this year is the test year for yeah. him to see how. He fits this role and so far, you know, he's been, he has been doing a great job. If he continues like this, I, sh- I think he should be our number one option uh, because he has improved almost every year. He had better stats but then the, the, the year before. And, you know, he, he's fulfilling his role so far, but we'll see in the future for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, if he develops like he has been right now, I think he's on the path to be a first option. You know, he's our first option right now. He's scoring 24 a game and you know he's not a pick and roll player. So what if he becomes one? And uh, to me, that's uh, those are questions that we're going to have to answer soon enough. I think right now he's still, you know, he's kind of toying around with all this. Uh, you know, Like I said, you know, can he be a closer? Bryce said earlier, you know, so he's learning a lot of things. You know, he's playing very well, but he's still learning a lot. And you can see it, you know, Um just the way he dealt with that situation with Houston, you know, how many guys would just kind of just settle for a jump shot. You know, he was super aggressive, try to play his game, you know, go to the rim. And uh, it, there will be moments like that where he, uh, I would say, where he struggles. And now we only have a few few minutes left, and I'll touch a little bit on schedule. You know, the Pistons play, the 76ers, the Cavaliers, the Lakers, and the Warriors next week. Uh, tough, really tough, four, four tough games for us, you know, four playoff teams. Uh, the Lakers are my run, my favorite Team to win the championship i haven't uh kind of walking the park for them but uh they struggled against the warriors the other day and some some defensive questions uh ad hasn't been himself uh he even criticized himself lately uh by by his performances and then we have steph coming here and i have no idea he can guard him <laughs> and um Drummond, you know drama's gonna come at us uh give us everything he has uh, what are your thoughts about next week? Should we see a lot of the the young guys in or are we going to see, you know, our normal rotation with Blake playing 35 minutes and D-Rose 25?
2: I don't think there's any back-to-backs next week, if I'm not mistaken. So I can see those guys playing every game. I think the game I'm most intrigued to watch is probably the Lakers game. I just want to see it. You're right. I-, I give you some some you know, a hard time about the Lakers being your squad and LeBron and AD and all that. But but you're right. Like Well they're not my favorite <laughs> team. I, no, are no, 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 no. Right. just I, my I know th- they're my opinion. I know they're not your favorite team. They're just the team that you think is the best team by far. Light years ahead. And you're honestly probably correct. I just want to see like I want to see Jeremy Grant try to guard LeBron James. I want to see Isaiah Stewart go against Anthony Davis. Like, I just want to see it. I think it'll be exciting. And we get to see it then again against the Warriors. And can we guard Steph Curry or not? So I, I think both of those games, those two West Coast games against the Lakers and Warriors at the end of the week, I think those are the ones I'm most looking forward to see how our guys play.
3: Exactly. I'm looking forward to the same games. It looks like the game against the Lakers is going to be a back-to-back. We played Cavaliers on the 28th, and then really the next day on the 29th, we played the Lakers. So we might see some vets sitting on a bench. Who knows? Um, and then the young guys, young core, might get some heavy minutes against you know the, the, the top team in the NBA, which would be good to see. I'm really looking forward to that matchup against. LeBron James and uh, Grant. Hopefully, LeBron James is not going to take a sit a, a seat as well. So you're well. right. Um, but Lakers, yeah, Lakers and Warriors are the games to to watch. So you're C. right.
2: We do. Sorry, I was mistaken there. So that that is a back to back between the Cavs and the Lakers. So we'll probably see Griffin and Rose rest that game against the Lakers. Which I'm fine with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we just want to see him play less and less. <laughs> uh, hey, but that's life. You know, Father Time is undefeated and uh, the situation we are in is, uh, is a tough one. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Now, I just want to give you uh, our social media accounts. You know, you can find us on Instagram at Motor City Hoops Show. You can find us on Twitter at Motor City Hoops, Facebook at Motor City Hoops. And uh, we're pretty active on all our social media And uh, if you want to reach out for questions or if you want us to, you know, talk about a certain topic on our next show, please reach out to us and uh, keep listening to us. We appreciate you all and uh,
1: we'll see you next week. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod, but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started.
0: Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.